Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I am Chad Parsons. She is Katie Flower, official show of uthdynasty.com. And we are here. We have the full NFL slate of preseason action behind us, and it's going to continue for a couple of weeks here. Then a break uh, before week one, but waivers have started this week and we've got a lot of hot stove items. We've got now reaction theater going on with uh, with Twitter and just global small sample size preseason is here. Lord football is back for the first time in months in full form. And Katie, we've, we've got to start with, with some of these reactions and I, I, sw- I swear... I go in my bubble when I watch games and then when I see what the the reactions are after I've already, you know, put out my film note shows and and digested it myself, it usually is pretty alarming to see what gets passed around and what is considered uh, the takeaway for certain things. And I found it interesting. Let's start with Trey Lance because I thought people box scores out is the first thing I thought. And yet his box score doesn't look very good. And all I see on my timeline afterwards is 75 million retweets of the same long throw. That's all I saw. And how that means he's amazing. So here we are, Katie. We are in the preseason and we wouldn't have any other way because football is back. But I'll tell you, um, <laughs> I already remember all the old habits of social media and echo chambers. Yeah. And that's the part that hopefully our listeners can fade out because one throw is not a sample size at all. And from what I gleaned, and I did not watch that particular game, but from what I gleaned, listening to NFL network and ESPN and some of the others was that Trey Lance needs more time. He's raw. He's he's got potential to be great, but he's not ready yet. And there were some really great throws by Mac Jones, and they didn't quite connect. Or even Jalen Hurts didn't quite connect. How close is that didn't quite connect versus the ones that do connect? Uh, and and you, again, to judge on just that one play or one throw or one magnificent catch, things like that. That's not what the preseason is all about. Yeah. I, I Just to say a couple points on what is the preseason and what should you be watching? I know for quarterbacks, it, it's just a few checkpoints for me because there are some that are going to look overwhelmed and just not even close to being able to do the basics 
which is some good footwork, dropping back, going through some reads, delivering on time within the rhythm of the offense, showing some accuracy. You mentioned Mac Jones had some that go beyond the box score, putting it right in the bucket, which he did at Alabama all the time. And if it doesn't connect for a long play, it's not going to get shared around. Uh, but if it's on target, that is still uh, you know a positive column uh, takeaway from from that game. And you know I, I saw I saw some positives with with all of these rookie quarterbacks. It's a good class. So we're going all the way back to April uh, and, and and getting to the draft and then beyond the draft of them going highly. And with Fields, everyone wants to anoint him like he needs to be the week one starter. And look what he did against a, a you know. Uh, retreads that may not be even in the league, you know, in, in a month. So I, I just think that looking at it and uh, all of these small samples and all of these tea leaves in situations where we didn't even see Trey Lance move around. Like we're not going to see Shanahan's, in my opinion is Shanahan's going to keep that under wraps. Like you're not going to see this exotic stuff that when he actually gets in the game in season at some point, you're going to see a bunch of different stuff. Lance was basically just dropping back and throwing the ball. Um, but just the fact that this goes back to the thing we saw last year, which is every other week we had a new wide receiver one in Dynasty based on what 21, 22-year-old was having the best week uh, 24 hours beforehand. Yeah, and you can't do that. As you mentioned, uh, Justin Fields looked good for that small sample size, but not against the number ones of the other team. Andy Dalton looked really good too. And he is the guy that they say is going to be the starter. I believe that. And I believe that Justin Fields will have a very good learning experience from that situation. Kind of like Patrick Mahomes had a very good situation sitting behind Alex Smith for almost a full season. It's not going to hurt the man to sit and learn and and not have to face either a leaky offensive line that could get him hurt, could get him, uh, you know, seeing ghosts and things like that, a la David Carr from way back when. All kinds of talent, but was rushed onto the scene. I'd rather have a young rookie quarterback, and I think Trey Lance falls into that same category. Let Garoppolo be the starter. Let Trey Lance sit and learn. You didn't draft him most people, in my opinion, did not draft him thinking he was going to be the quarterback one on week one of the NFL. They knew he was going to sit behind. The only person that was pretty much locked, and now that's even up in the air because uh, Urban Meyer is saying that Gardner Minshew, that there is a quarterback battle in Jacksonville, but everybody thought, okay, Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence both have locked and loaded Week one, that's it. They're starters. But Mac Jones and Justin Fields and Trey Lance, we're never going to be the starters on week one. If that happens, that means they've had a body of work, not just one throw, not just a couple plays, but that means they've earned it. And I haven't seen that happen yet. Yeah, we say it all the time. I mean, rookies, you're developing and grooming for the future. And this whole... You know, they need to be starting week one. I think a lot of it has to do with the level of the team because until a team, either the NFL team will think that we're being held back by quarterback, let's try the young guy because we're not getting the results we want out of the veteran or the incumbent, or 
it's going to be a situation where it's longer down the line. Okay, this season is pretty much over, but we have the expanded playoff structure, which means more teams are going to be in it for longer during the year. So if a team starts out well with Garoppolo or with Dalton or with Cam Newton, whatever, then things are going to keep going along. There's not a reason to rock the boat. But when thing, if things start going wrong, awry, or the team feels that they can make the playoffs and they're being held back, or it's gotten enough data points where you go, okay, we're six games below 500 and it's week 10. Like we're not, we're not going anywhere. Let's now turn the page and start building and grooming for next year, the future, the next time we are trying to be competitive because we are not right now. Um, and so that's that. It's going to be really interesting to see how the market changes because we pretty much saw. I don't know about you, Kitty. We saw Lawrence from from my memory. We saw Lawrence. Lance was usually QB two. Then we usually saw Fields, then Wilson then Mac Jones. And and there was the big the top 3, then usually Zach Wilson was kind of in his own tier and then Mac Jones was in his own tier. Uh, in terms of off of a super flex board, the hierarchy going into this. I think it's going to be very interesting to see if that shifts a little bit if one of them starts one or two of them start early, maybe there's a flash game, someone's not starting until week 10, is there a discount to be had? Uh, all these early oscillations that really as I outlined a minute ago, I, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what their thoughts are on the rookie quarterback and if they're going to be long-range good. This is the time of season to hopefully have paid attention to your league mates and their tendencies and to prey on those guys that are not patient. Those guys that thought that Justin Fields was going to be the starter on day one and then you know two weeks from now, Andy Dalton is the starter. You might be able to get Justin Fields at a huge discount and laugh all the way to the bank. Or same thing with Mac Jones or Trey Lance or any, any of the guys uh, that we're talking about here. And, and that also includes all the positions. Pay attention to the guys in your league that are not patient and make deals that'll especially for guys that you scouted, that you believe in, that you think have the, the right mixture of pedigree, size, age, breakout, all that good stuff, knowing that rookies have that topsy-turvy, you know, first couple seasons. Yeah, now pretty much until the trade deadline in your dynasty league, if you have one, is, is my favorite time. This is honestly my favorite trading period. I love rookie drafting in terms of moving around the board, being able to trade for a veteran, do a number of things because everyone in your league is engaged. But let's face it, even during rookie draft time, not everyone in your league is as engaged as they will be when there's games actually going on and they are setting lineups and they are applying the waiver wire on a weekly basis and thinking about their team every single week. And I love this more than anything. And I'm talking about someone that's in the analyst community that I love the fact that every single data point we're going to have is going to be trailing. You are going to have to have your own takes. You're going to have to have your own action plan or a really sharp on time. This is what the window is this week, 48 hours, 72 hours 
make these types of trades. Here's the buys, here's the sells, but yet you're going out with a with a knife into the jungle and trying to figure it out because it may not work at all. And you're like, well, I, I, I want to sell. Well, just because you can't get what you thought you could get, you still have this window where you can decide to sell or hold. That may be the right move or it might be the wrong one to wait that one extra week. Oh, I'll try again next week. What if that player you were going to acquire or sell gets hurt, has a big game, has a poor game? I just love how things change so quickly in season with the market dynamics. Not necessarily, I think this player long-term is now horrible. I thought they were great sort of reactions, but I just love how the market changes so much in terms of what players are liquid, what situations are changing, who's hot, who's not, because you get into September, October, if a guy's unstartable, uh, they better be pretty darn good and insulated for the market to tolerate that if they're just riding bench over and over again, because we're in lineup season. And I just, again, there's not going to be some static June ADP point that everyone can kind of, uh, you know, get get on board with tractor beam so that everyone feels like they know the market and I need to make an acceptable deal. So this is what I should be asking for. And this is what you should be offering. That doesn't exist in, in, in season when you're thinking about your lineup this coming week and the market is changing drastically. And you finally truly have the have and have nots of contending or rebuilding and not contending that offer a lot of, of trades that now, three weeks ago, would not be accomplished. Absolutely. Um, so let's ask about, well, honestly, one of the, the younger players I was looking forward to watching didn't get to see him last year. Jordan Love, no preseason. And, and he got a little dinged up. It sounds like he's going to be fine and good to go, but he's on the shelf now for this year. But yet, you might be able to get him for a third round pick in Superflex. He's basically a glorified injury away guy that some of the drumbeat now is he couldn't beat out, uh, I believe it was Tim Boyle last year. Like he wasn't actually the number two on the depth chart when Aaron Rodgers was having his typical Aaron Rodgers type season. And Aaron Rodgers is going to try to do that again this year. But the clock has started and it seems like now we are reaching a finality of next offseason. We'll see if they work something out. You never know. But Jordan Love is on the shelf again. Is he a spec play that you're interested in as your QB four, five, six in Superflex, Katie? Is he one that, eh, you know, the, the time value of the roster spot and the liquidity of giving a pick right now or the pick equivalency is better? And you just wait to see if he actually is going to be the Packers starter at some point in the future, aka next year. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Love stinks. Love is not the answer. And I wouldn't pay a dime for him. He's going to be dropped before midseason by most teams, and you can get him off the waiver wire. If you want to stash him, that's the time to do it. I wouldn't pay a dime for him. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you go see the video, she is a stone-faced. He's horrible. Wouldn't pay a dime for him. I would not pay a dime for him. I got you. All right. Uh, so running back data points of the changing depth charts. What do you think about waivers this week? What do you think about waivers during the uh, the the hot weeks here of the preseason? Is it something that we should be looking at the depth charts, 
seeing the pecking order as they're coming off, uh, coming onto the field, I should say. Obviously, there's going to be flash players. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is one of those guys that popped up with a long touchdown. I will mention he was like the running back five into the game for the Patriots behind everybody with a pulse and playing basically against glorified college players. Uh, you know, there. Uh, when but he's not going to be on the waiver wire in any of your leagues anyway. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, it was there someone, whether it's Anthony McFarland, is it Ty, uh, Ty Johnson? There's a few others that are probably going to have of interest. This is going to be your crack at them, at least for now. And we're trying to find the goal. Now, Mike Davis's every single offseason, every single preseason aren't possible. But we are looking for who's that underrated injury away guy, potential week one role guy uh, that we can get for a dollar or two right now. I haven't seen enough out of any of them to say, I want to put my dime or dollar on this guy over another, especially when the way I look at the waiver wire is you're making a trade, but you're making a trade with the waiver wire. You're trading your 25th player or your 30th player or whoever that bottom of your barrel is. If it's an easy decision and you got a guy that is now a free agent and out of the league or very close to it, that's an easy decision. Then sure, make a speculative dollar play at uh, any one of those guys that you just mentioned. However, if you've got a pretty loaded team all the way through, however, the bottom of your roster, whatever that is, I'd wait one more week because there weren't a lot of starters that showed out. And I think that'll happen more next week. And then you can really start to see the pecking order. Um, Who is that, that guy that's moved up into that second spot or that third spot? Like I thought that Rico Dowell looked really good for Dallas, but realistically he's buried because you still have Zeke, you still have Tony Pollard. So a lot of the guys, like, especially with the New York Jets, you mentioned the um, one or two of them. There's Ty, Ty Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. And a lot Johnson, of, well, Michael P. Ryan Harvard was running in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Right. But Tevin Coleman didn't even play. He was out for personal reasons. And that backfield is going to be just as there's no bell cow in that backfield. Not any of the backups are bell cows. And they are not going to play this like a bell cow, just like New England. So they're going to be spinning it and flipping it and hot hand and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So there isn't one guy that I would put, you know, drop my dollar, even a waiver wire dollar on at this point. I'd rather have a different backfield that the potential to be a bell cow is there if the main guy gets hurt. And I haven't seen enough to to make that bet yet. Yeah, you brought up a good point, which is we're building profiles and it starts with what happened this week and is something different happening next week? More of the same? Are we seeing players rise from third into the game to second to maybe first? Are they getting first team reps? That that really is one of the bigger indicators. And unfortunately, we're not, there's some of these teams have already come out and said, you know, we're basically not playing. I think the Chargers were one of those teams, you know, like Herbert, he's not playing. You're not going to see Keenan Allen. And so the what it someone playing with the first team isn't really a thing because the first team isn't out there. So you're going to try to peek through keyholes. Now, that's not one of the most ambiguous 
uh, running back depth charts, fortunately. But some of these other ones, if you get the starters out there, and whether it's this game, whether it's the next one, that you get a quarter and a half, I do think, you know, how are the snaps being dispersed for that? Who's actually the second one in the game? Who's actually rising uh, if they are from a week or two ago? That is is pretty telling intel or the equations, as I like to call it, uh, for that playing time, whether or not they got 10 carries or not. That, that, that's the irrelevant part of, of play calling while they were in the game. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the other thing you said, which is be a little conservative, 100%. I think we saw it. I saw it even weeks ago where people get excited about training camp reports and they're dropping. They're dropping bombs. I saw someone drop like 20, 25, 30% on Jacob Eason in a one quarterback. Like it's, I, I don't know what's happening. And you have a finite budget that we, we have, we know less now than we will know in a month. You don't think after week one, you're going to want to probably do something on the waiver wire. You don't think mid season when depth charts are changing and you have a lot better feel for teams that are good, available targets or available carries, uh, all that information that you're going to want to be active then. And yet we're going to spend quote unquote big or moderately now. That's the part that that's the divide that there's two part, two factions of, of leagues. The ones that are freely spending early because they say, hey, I might get the whole season. If I get this right, I'm going to get the whole season with this magical player I picked up and I don't want to miss out. You know, Or they, they're fearful they get to week 16, they pick nobody up and you know they still have 75% of their budget. And it's like, well, what did I save it for? Well, you saved it in case. You, if that happens, that means you never found an opportunity or enough opportunities or like you said, what if your team is good enough? You're only rotating one spot. You might only be rotating one or two spots. So, so you got to be careful. And I do think like how you spend your waiver wire is indicative of your personality to some degree. Because again, if you fear at the end that you're going to have too much left over, that's a worst case scenario. And obviously, if you're like if you're reticent ever to spend more than a buck or two, then you know you. you you know, you just don't have a strong enough conviction about a player, and maybe no players came up that fit your criteria, and that happens sometimes every season. You pull, you just pull snake eyes, and and there just was nobody that caught your fancy, and that's okay too. Yeah, I mean, just think of how much people spent on Tim Tebow this summer, and now he's cut. And will he find another job? Probably not. If he can't make it in Jacksonville and they suck, like where is he going to make it? Oh, that that reminds me, because uh, early cuts. We're still in the early cuts period. NFL has plenty of time to go before they need to be down to their final rosters. Today, I believe it was today. Kieran Johnson uh, was uh, he got an injury settlement. Uh, so I don't know offhand how that differs. He was released. He was released, and it sounds like he got some money because he's currently not healthy. Um, what are your thoughts? We were kind of batting it about. You know, could he land somewhere? Do you think like being released this early, Eagles have a bunch of viable guys in their backfield, so that may be a big part of it. But do you think he has legitimate injury away, can be a starter for three, four games in a row if called upon? Like, Could that still be in front of him as a dynasty role for him? Possible. I haven't seen him in a long time. And, you know, 
your first team cuts you and then your your second team cuts you because of the injury, then there's still some rehab. Somebody's got to be patient. It may be a while. Because they play with the injury. Here's how I'm kind of speculating. Like maybe they think, well, we haven't gotten a good look at him. He's hurt now. We know he's not going to play in the next two preseason games. So what are we doing? He's on the outside looking in for this roster spot. Let's just cut him loose. That might be what the Eagles are thinking. But I will say the optics of this are guy that has struggled through some injuries. He's a try-hard guy. And he got pushed out in Detroit. Wasn't going to be a thing. They moved on. This next team... They already know they like Jordan Howard better. <laughs> like, you know, the, the fact and the fact that he basically didn't make what the top 80. I mean, the fact that he's gone right. this early, does that mean he's making someone else's 53, 55, whatever the new number is? I, that, so that's the part that kind of concerns me. Yes, there's open depth charts. Yes, I'm there's still running backs that on other teams that I'm tracking that I hope they land somewhere else. Kyrian Johnson's now out there. Gurley's out there. Le'Veon Bell is out there. We were tracking Devonta Freeman last year. He took till what week five, six, seven. I remember landing with the Giants, waiting for a legit, I'm going to get a bunch of touches opportunity. Um, and Kyrian Johnson is now in line with those guys that are also out there that have been looking for an opportunity. It seems like there's a lot of sharks circling for an op- for how many opportunities between now and early in the season when they're going to eventually want to start getting paid. It's a really interesting running back dynamic with just who's still floating in the free agent pool. Well, and it's just another note that in Dynasty, running backs can have very short careers. Just a couple of years ago, Kerryon Johnson was a darling and people wanted him over uh, Jordan Howard. And Jordan Howard had come off a pretty good year. But Jordan Howard's number five on the depth chart and Kerryon Johnson was even lower on the depth chart. So I don't know if he's going to make a team of 53. Probably, if anything, injury and, and be on the practice squad or something until he can finally get healthy if he latches on to somebody. Or he may need to get healthy first before somebody even takes a shot. So between Kieran Johnson, Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, uh, let's leave it to those three guys. Who would you be the most sticky with? You got him in like a 25 to 28-man roster right now. You've got some shiny objects moving You know that could be number twos, could be number threes. They're on teams right now, uh, running backs. Are you preferring those guys, You know the, the, those notable... NFL free agents on the chance that they're going to sign with somebody. And you know what? If they sign, they're going to have a relevant role. Or are you saying, hey, they're out of sight, out of mind. It's not an overly deep roster. I got to move on to guys that I, I kind of have a better sense of what their opportunity is or could be come week one. If there's a guy that's shining, I'd take a shot on that person over any of those three. Okay. You think if they're me- on your waiver wire, but right. there's not a lot of those kind of guys in most of my leagues that I could think of where I'd instantly go out and put a couple of dollars down or whatever uh, okay. to drop them. But they're, they're definitely short leash kind of players. They don't even have a team. They've got obviously name cachet. 
but name cachet doesn't carry you very far. If you, if you've got somebody on the waiver wire that has looked good and you have that gut feeling, I mean, none of us can say with any kind of certainty who would be better in that last spot. That's really a gut feel. And it may change. It could very, very well change in just a week or two weeks. So you got to be able to be flexible. Talk, talk me in or out of, of this line of thinking. My, my thought is if Le'Veon Bell signs somewhere, he's going to be the number two or higher on a depth chart. I don't know how he could be. How he could be that high? Well, then yeah, he just I mean, won't sign, right? Adrian, Peter, Adrian Peterson would be the same way, right? I mean, why they wouldn't go to a depth chart to be the number three guy and just sit there. Right. You right. You wouldn't think so, but on the other hand, if a team they might not sign at all. No, I know. Right. Exactly. If if a team signs them, it would. I would think it would be for depth, not necessarily to say, "Hey, this is your number two role." Uh, unless they had a really major injury, maybe a team like the Rams that just had the big injury to Cam Akers. They've had time though. They've already they had have. time to think about all these different angles and they've done exactly. Nothing. And have they even, I haven't even seen news where they've brought somebody in to work them out. Exactly. Um, and then I have a sense though, that Todd Gurley, if he comes back, I'm not sure what the upside is. We kind of saw with the Rams, he was the one a and no, sorry, Atlanta. He was the one a and he was touchdown centric at his absolute best. It was touchdown or bust. And that was pretty much it last year. He was like a humdrum, what, mid to low running back two that you hope he scored a touchdown. Right, um, but it's the, he's the kind of player that you don't want to play waiver wire roulette with. You don't want to drop him to pick up a guy that, is a, that really isn't going to help your team either. So you might as well stay with the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Well, exactly. That, that's why I feel like with the girlies, the bells, I, I am, my general take is hold those guys until week one to see if they sign or at least through these next two games. Until gets, you have clarity. Who gets hurt? Because if there's somebody that they're going to miss six to eight weeks and now it's going to, they're going to miss three, four, five, six games into the season because of what happens over the next two games, that's when one of these guys may, it may be a mutual uh, interest level from the team that they can get someone that can actually handle a workload. They might not trust or know what they have on their own depth chart. And then there's going to be enough interest level or maybe some performance incentives in a contract that's going to make it worth the while of those veterans to sign and actually be able to showcase what they can do that might parlay them into future opportunities. Um but but yeah, again, those guys with profiles, and yet you know, if you drop them for, <laughs> like you made, you said, the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. I think that was a that was definitely a good way to put it. Um, let's see. Uh, so Falcons backfield uh, as one of these, <laughs> it's Mike Davis and question mark. At some point, Mike Davis needs to get some love, right? Because he's there. We saw him do it last year. He's a two-way player, and a moment in time, if memory serves, Katie, we're, we're going all the way back in Devi land. He was a really good recruit. He was an early day three pick. He had a pretty nice profile out of South Carolina. I know he fell basically out of the entire NFL before he came all the way back to the point he is now, but he's on paper 
it's getting really dark pencil at this point. And, and dare I say, pen week one starter, Atlanta Falcons, good offense. Even if they fall behind a bunch and they're not a good team, he could catch a bunch of passes. And what's the competition? I, I like, I still see him going really late in redraft and dynasty. It's like, no one thinks he's worth more than like uh, just a random second in the future. He is the Rodney Dangerfield this year. Does not get any respect. I think he is going to be the week one starter for the Falcons. I don't see unless they get an injury to one of the backups. I don't see them signing somebody else this year. They may draft somebody next year, but they didn't draft somebody this year. Really? I mean, JV and Hawkins, but I mean, again, they didn't draft anybody this year that was going <laughs> right. to take over. What's funny, what's funny is on my, uh, on my waiver wire article, I, I saw Javion Hawkins. He has his debut, and I actually put him on drop recommendations because yeah. it was like, he's smaller than I thought. <laughs> I know he weighed in light, but like when you see these guys on the field at like 180 something, it's just a whole different perspective on, oh, yeah, that guy's never going to be a feature back. Yeah, okay. It makes sense. It, it makes sense now. I mean, you can you can say on paper like, oh yeah, you know, let's be skeptical. But when you actually see it in a preseason game, you're like, yeah, they are very tiny. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. He didn't work out well for his size either. So I just, I think Atlanta, to be fair, is doing the smart thing, which is you're probably not going anywhere this year. So investing with like a day two running back this past draft class, what I'm not gonna say what. Well, what's the point, right? You fix running back last. They brought in Mike Davis. He's going to be fine. No problem with that. And if he misses time, you'll you'll do your best. And you're frankly probably not going to have a great year anyway. Kadri Allison out of pit. This is his second year. He's a big boy. He he could handle the load if he had to. He's not sexy, but he's he's decent. I don't think he had great hands, which was one of the knocks of him on Debbie. And then you've got Cordero Patterson who could play the running back or wide receiver role or a combination of both. And, you know, I'm actually interested in Patterson. If he continues, cause the Patriots kind of turned him into a running back. Like he didn't play wide receiver at all. He was a kick returner and he was a, a running back or used in the backfield. It he's, he's reached, he's transforming himself. He, he has been over the past few years away from wide receiver completely. I'm kind of interested like he has wide receiver designation and I would not put that past uh, if, if Davis misses time that it's just, we're going to see what we have with Patterson. And I'm not saying it's 20 touches a game, but just, I, I think that would be interesting because he's a size movement guy and he, and he's done it before. And, and frankly, I think he offers more upside than the rest of those guys in that backfield. You know, if Davis were out, um, another question on the waiver wire or just general roster maintenance here in the next few weeks. Nikhil Harry. I'll just leave it at that. What are your thoughts? I don't think he's a drop. I don't think he's a drop. Um, I think he's fourth on the list in New England, but he's been, he, he's been creating some good buzz, positive buzz this whole okay. offseason. He's still, I, I saw this one crossing route, Katie. He's slow. God, he's slow. He's still slow. Uh I don't know. I see him in a couple spots on my leagues of like 25 to 28. And I don't know. I know. I know it's tough, but they paid, they paid two tight ends. I know they paid two. I know. He's not, a, he's not in new England's plans. 
But if he can catch any kind of buzz where they can trade him or make some kind of a deal, okay, they will. All right. No, I know and they I, will. I just I, that's why he, I just feel so Treadwell like it's unbelievable. Well, he, even though I, even though I liked his profile a heck of a lot better than Treadwell's. Um, it just seems like we're, we're headed down a similar path. He's going to get other opportunities for sure. First rounders will get other opportunities, maybe even two or three of them with other teams. But I just don't know where you're headed with that roster spot over the next month would be my, my point. Well, um, and I don't know who you would pick up in the next month that would be potentially more valuable. If, if there's somebody clear cut, do it. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no, nothing set in stone. Every league is different. Every waiver wire is different. If somebody happens to drop Devonta Smith because of the MCL and you can pick him up and drop Harry, hell yeah, do that all day. But you're laughing, but I've seen leagues where Odell Beckham Jr. was dropped in his rookie season because of his hamstring. Right. So it happens. Well, and you just out, well, you just outlined a great point, which is keeping your eyes open because a drop isn't necessarily during an open period where you can just go and it's a, a race and you pick them up. Many times that player is locked. You got to remember if they were dropped on a Friday, you got to remember until the following Tuesday or Wednesday to put in your waiver claim. And they may be above the threshold you're typically looking. So this is a reminder that uh, you, you've got to be um, on it in that regard. That Make a little note to yourself. What I like to do is put in a dummy bid for any players that get dropped. Click through that email, put the dummy bid in for a dollar or whatever, so that next time you go into set waivers, you already remember them and you don't search for them. Uh, if you don't already have a, a process where you're going through basically all of the transactions in all of your leagues and scouring that um, you know, when you're doing that to set your waivers. Um, okay, Katie, uh, final thoughts uh, going into the next two weeks of the preseason, as well as uh, this past week, overreaction theater, dynasty trading, waiver wire, um, anything here to help listeners as they prepare for a week where they're going to see bidding on the waiver wire, uh, maybe for the first time in a, in a while with changing data points. And they're thinking roster management now that football is upon us. Yeah, so just incremental patience when you finally see somebody that's worth it feel free to pounce and if you don't know who's worth it go with your trust most trustworthy allies like if you listen to five or six different sources that's fine but pick the one that you trust the most and and go with what they're what they're leaning towards but Dynasty is all about patience. Even this time of year, everybody's excited. Don't get overly excited about the one-handed catches in practice or, you know, just even something that happens in a preseason game. In order to look at the tea leaves of things that are unfolding, did they start last week? Are they going to start again this week? Do they get more playing time this week than they got last week? Is the main starter out for any particular length of time? Or are they just not getting the playing time because it's preseason? And do they get downgraded at some point to where they normally will be? 
And then the last thing as final thoughts, I'm very excited. I'm going to be meeting a listener and his cousin for the Cowboys preseason game on Saturday for a little face-to-face dynasty talk, a couple of brews and just having fun. So looking forward to that and looking forward to spending more time in front of my television to watch some preseason football. Excellent. Good shout out there. Uh, I do want to shout out also, uh, Tim Torch was with me. We talked about 45 minutes on the waiver wire for this week, the global landscape. Uh, So if you're interested in that, also, uh, there are still about five or six spots in the UTH best ball contest for this year available. Um, And basically the last way to get in is if you want to sign up at patreon.com slash UTH to get in with an automatic entry there, but you get a bunch of bonus content like uh, those feature shows with uh, talking waiver wire every week, plus other topics. You can follow Katie on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. I am at Chad Parsons NFL reminder about UTH dynasty.com as well. All right, until next time next week and a whole new slate of games, as Katie said, we're, we're building that profile of what happened last week, and we're going to continue building on the next two of the sample size in the preseason for trends and for making the best decisions for our dynasty rosters. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties. No, I could care less about other people. I want the comfort for myself. 